Evidently, the heat is out in the theater, so if, if you're freezing in the theater, we got room now. So come on in and join us. It'll be fixed by next week. One of those little things you just don't anticipate. Uh, the year is full of them, isn't it? If you could back up the clock one year, would you want to know everything that was going to happen to you in 2023? The things that you've experienced that would bring you incredible joy, the things that you've experienced that would break your heart, would frustrate you, give you pain. Imagine if you had an auto accident this year or if you fell and broke your arm. Would you have wanted to know that that was coming? Even if you couldn't do anything about it? On the one hand, we like to know what's coming so that somehow we can prepare for it. It's the unknown that causes us so much anxiety. But on the other hand, we don't want to know what's coming because we'd never leave our house if we knew. We could never prepare for all the things that were coming if we knew about them. God, in his wisdom, doesn't reveal to us everything that's coming. Instead, he invites us to trust in him as the one who is wise enough to have been preparing us our whole life long for what's coming in the new year. I want us to zero in this morning on a man who was facing a very uncertain future. His name is Joshua, and his story is told in the book of the Bible that bears his name. If you don't have a Bible with you, I'd invite you to uh, just catch the attention of one of these guys coming down the rows here, and uh, they'll be happy to hand you one. We're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 1, so you can turn there now, and if you're just getting one of these Bibles, you'll find that on page 147, page 147. We're going to look at the first nine verses of the book of Joshua, so if you would, turn there and follow along with me. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? 
Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, to put this in context, we need to back up about 40 years. And to, to the, the wilderness wandering when God's people got to the edge of the promised land and sent 12 spies into the land, Joshua was one of those 12. It's recorded in Numbers chapter 13. And you'll recall from that story that 10 of those spies, the majority, came back and said, nope, there are giants in the land. We can't overcome them, so let's not go. Two, the minority, Joshua and Caleb, said, you know, if our relationship with God is right, we can do this. He will give us victory. But the people rebelled, and as a result, an entire generation died in the wilderness, including Moses. So here we are now, beginning of the book of Joshua, 40 years later, Moses and everyone from his generation is dead, and Joshua is facing a very daunting task and a very uncertain future. It's a new chapter in the life of God's people. Moses is dead, and God turns to Joshua, son of Nun. So Joshua's got a, a dead leader behind him. He's got a swollen river and a hostile territory in front of him. And I think all of us can look at that and go, I don't think I'd like to be Joshua at about that point. Think about the, the leadership issue alone. Who's going to be in charge here? Did you notice how the passage opens? Moses, the undisputed leader for 40 plus years, is dead. And did you see how the passage refers to Moses? Moses, the servant of the Lord. Wow. Distinguished title there. Did you see how it refers to Joshua? Moses' aid. This is the understudy. This is the backup guy. Uh, ever been to a play and, and you see today's lead part would be played by so-and-so? You go, oh, I get the understudy. Nuts. So uh, this is, this is kind of like uh, Jordan Love all those years, backing up Aaron Rodgers and finally stepping into a game. Is, are, are people really going to listen to him? or Is he going to do very well? Huge shoes to fill. Would the people respond to the leadership of this new guy, Joshua? And then think about the mission issue as well. Take the land. What's that look like? Don't know. It was an issue that Moses didn't even have to worry about. You think about that one? Moses didn't have to concern himself with that because he would be part of this generation that would pass away in the wilderness. It would be up to a new generation to actually take possession of the land. So what Moses didn't have to worry about fell squarely now on the shoulders of Joshua. What would the challenges be? Joshua didn't know. That was all across the river, and he couldn't see it. I picked this passage for today because we're a lot like Joshua. So we're standing here on the verge of a brand new year. What's it hold? We don't know. 
We don't know personally. We don't know as a church. All we know is that things will be different for each one of us one year from now. Here's the thing. God didn't show Joshua everything that was in front of him, and he doesn't show us everything that's in front of us either. Instead, he equips us with his word and with his presence so we can walk in wisdom and we can walk with him. We have his word so we can walk in wisdom. We have his presence so we can walk with him. Let me give you the sermon in a, in a sentence that's printed there in your program. Because God's word will guide us and because God's presence will go with us, we can be strong and courageous as we face an uncertain future. So I'd like to focus on three questions. What's ahead of you? What's in your hand? And who's going to be with you? First, what's ahead of you? Let's take a look again at verses 2 through 6. God tells Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I'll give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. What's ahead of you? The answer is we don't know. There's no way of knowing, but that's okay. Joshua didn't know either. There were a few things that he did know that, that we see in the passage we just read. He knew Moses was dead and a new chapter was opening. He knew God was calling him to pick up where Moses left off and to lead his people to inherit this land that God promised them. He knew from verse 4 the dimensions of the land that they'd be taking. And he knew that though God had promised to give them the land, it was currently occupied. And those occupants weren't about just to give it up freely. Verse 5 uh, tells us that uh, those people were there, but they would not be able to stand against him. It is the occupants of the land that scared them off 40 years earlier, and now Joshua gets to take up what was left off then and take the land. So that's what he knows. Those were the givens, and he could only take the rest by faith. That despite the challenges, God would give them the land. He says it three times in this passage, verse 2, verse 3, verse 6, I'll, I'll give you this land. He'll have to take by faith that no one will be able to stand against them, verse 5. He'll have to take by faith that God will be with them. And he'll have to take by faith that Joshua would be up to the leadership challenge. It would actually lead these people into the land. In verse 6, he says, be strong and courageous because you're going to do it. All of those things he has to take by faith. And the fact that the people told Joshua that they'd back him all the way probably wasn't a great deal of comfort. You know, for me, I think the scariest verse in all of Scripture 
is verse 17 of, of this very chapter. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Would, would you like to be Joshua hearing those words? You know, after what they did to Moses, they're the reason why he had to die in the land. Just as we fully obeyed him, we'll, we'll fully obey you. Would you find that encouraging? So Joshua knew a few things for sure, and he had to take the rest by faith. And we find ourselves in a similar situation. There are only so many things we can know about what's coming in this year. The rest, uh, we just have to take by faith. And what I would like to suggest is that's actually a pretty good place to be. We wouldn't want the burden of knowing everything that's going to happen, and we can trust God to be faithful as we step out by faith and trust him as we walk into the unknown. You ever heard somebody say, don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle? It's a great thought. Problem with that is the Bible. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's not to be found there. I think someone got the idea from 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that lets us know that, that there's no temptation that, that we can't handle. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. But temptation is different from trouble. No temptation can overtake us that we can't find the escape hatch that God is always faithful to provide. There will always be that escape hatch. We just need to find it. But somehow, I think people have twisted this verse around to suggest we won't ever experience more trouble than we can handle. And that's just not true. God will allow us to experience more than we can handle. He just won't allow us to experience more than he can handle. Our whole life is more than we can handle. That's why we need Christ. Take a look with me at, at the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Paul says this to the Corinthians, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. We were beyond ourselves. We were over our heads so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. We'll find ourselves over our heads at times this year, but that's okay. We serve a God who has promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. And even if we face death, we serve a God who raises the dead. That's our ultimate hope. So God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. You're going to do this. And we can know that there's nothing that will come our way this year that can defeat us either. So what's ahead of you? We don't know. 
We don't know, but that's okay. Because God has called us and he will be with us and he is able. Second question is what's in your hand? Not what's in your wallet, but what's in your hand? Look at verses seven and eight. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. What's in your hand? Well, notice a few things that's, that are not in Joshua's hand. There is no book of military strategy, no tactical guide in his hand. God has told Joshua that he'll give him and his people this land, but he hasn't told him how. That's going to come later. At this point, we know more than Joshua because we've read his book. We know that in chapters 5 and 6, he'll meet the angel of the Lord and get his marching orders then from him. But that's all still future to Joshua at this point. So while we know it, Joshua just has to take it by faith for now. And though Joshua is a military leader, notice something else that's not in his hand, a sword or a spear. Instead, what's in his hand is what's called the book of the law, the word of God sharper than any two-edged sword. And it will be the key to our overcoming our challenges as well because it helps us grow in our relationship with God and it fills us with his wisdom. The word leads to wisdom. Now, the idea of wisdom in the Old Testament, and we'll see this clearly when we start the book of Proverbs next week. But this idea of wisdom in the Old Testament is closely related to the idea of practice. Practice. It's doing the right thing often enough that it becomes a habit. It's getting good at it. It's making it a part of you. Why do third basemen take grounders for hours on end? Oh, why uh, do musicians continue to play the scales day after day? Why are we willing to pay a master plumber more than we're willing to pay an apprentice? It's all about experience that makes someone really good at something. A guy named Malcolm Gladwell wrote an interesting book called Outliers. It's about people who have become successful in their lives and, and why did they? become successful. They seemed to be outliers, but, but they became very successful. And the bottom line is, he says, when you do something repeatedly, you get good at it. And when you do something for 10,000 hours, you get really good at it. So if you want to get good at something, just practice it for 10,000 hours and you'll get good at it. Uh, he zeroes in for one illustration on a, a musical group you may have heard of called the Beatles. Uh, they couldn't get a gig in England, so they had to go over to Germany, and they played in clubs where they had to play for eight hours straight. 
you can't play the same three songs for eight hours straight. So they had to write a lot of songs. And they put in a lot of hours. And they got really good at what they did. And when they came back to England, they found people were really willing to listen to their music. So we get good at things when we practice them over time. You see how that translates to getting good at life, applying God's wisdom to our lives? When you make the Word of God your focus, you end up putting the wisdom of God into practice in your life. It becomes a part of you. And God doesn't just teach Joshua how to conquer territory. No, it's, it's much bigger than that. He wants to teach him how to conquer life. And to do that, you need God's word. But notice, it's not just about reading it. It's about doing it. Uh, look at verses 7 and 8 again. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. It's not just reading it. It's the doing of it that gives us success. The, the idea of success in, in Hebrew has to do with acting wisely. Uh, the bottom line is this. Get God's word into your life and act on it, and you'll gain wisdom for daily living. I hope this coming year for all of us will be a year when we make the word of God that central. There's a cumulative effect to be found in daily doses of God's word. You won't notice any great gains from any one day. And nothing generally falls apart in a big way when you miss one day either. It's all incremental and cumulative. But we find that neglect is cumulative as well. If we took two of you and stood you up here, and one of you pledged to take God's word into your life on a daily basis every day this year, and the other one pledged to stay completely away from it for all year long, do you have any doubt that there would be a difference in the two of them if they stood up here a year from today? Which one would you want to be? You may say, okay, I, I want to be this guy here. How do I do it? Where do I start? Let me just suggest one real simple starting place, and that is a Bible app called YouVersion. Download that on your phone or device. It's filled with tons of Bible reading plans, all sorts. Pick one. Try different ones, but stay at it you'll notice a difference in time. There is a cumulative effect to be gained. And God tells Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Step out in faith with the wisdom that comes from knowing and doing my word. 
So what's in your hand? It's the word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll equip you for the living of life. Third question is, who's going to be with you? Look at verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What could take the wind out of Joshua's sails? What could defeat his army without even coming into contact with the enemy? God knows. It's fear and discouragement. How do you beat them? God knows that too. To know you're not alone. Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. When God is with you, you don't need to be afraid or discouraged. When you're in over your head, it's so good to know that you're with someone who knows what they're doing. My wife is the master of public transportation. She has never met a public transportation system that she didn't like or couldn't conquer. Part of her secret is that she's never afraid to admit that she doesn't know what she's doing. Now, I, on the other hand, never want people to know that I am clueless, so I try to figure stuff out on my own. But when the two of us are together, she knows I don't know what I'm doing. And because she's with me, I don't need to figure it out by myself. So we were visiting our daughter in Lakeville, Minnesota, needing to get to St. Paul, the heart of St. Paul, for a wedding. And Tina said, let's take the bus. It'll be fun. And I said, no thanks, I'll drive. But she talked me into it, and we got onto a bus in Lakeville that would take us to the Mall of America, transferred to another bus that took us just almost in front of the very building we needed to end up at. Do you know why I had the confidence to do that? It was because of who was with me. Truth is, Joshua couldn't face his challenge alone, and neither can we. Moses came to a similar point in Exodus chapter 33, verses 14 and 15. The Lord said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. If you're not going to be with me, there is no point in my going. And God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous, I'll be with you. And because of that, Joshua could have confidence in facing the unknown. Who's going to be with you? God, the one who called you, the one who equipped you, he's the one who will be with you. So we've considered three questions as we've looked at this passage. What's Ahead of you from verses 2 to 6. What's in your hand from verses 7 and 8? And who's going to be with you from verse 9? Did you notice the phrase that is repeated in each of those sections? Be strong and courageous. We can do that because whatever lies ahead of us 
is no match for the one who has called us and equipped us. He's given us his word, and he goes with us himself. So what's 2024 going to look like? I don't know. Do you know? None of us really know. What we can know is the one who called us. We can know that he's faithful. And we can know his word, and we can know that it will give us the wisdom we need for living 2024. And we can know who will be with us each step of the way. So we don't need to know what lies ahead because God's word will guide us because his presence will go with us. We can be strong and courageous as we face a new year with all of its uncertainties. I am enjoying my time at the bridge. This is a wonderful church. God has blessed this church greatly. We've got good leadership You've got a talented staff. You've got a wonderful facility. And your love for the Lord is contagious. You've got a great mission and a simple plan to achieve it. Let me suggest three words that sum it up. Connect, grow, and serve. Connect. Connect people with one another and connect people with God. A lot of that happens on Sunday morning as we gather, as, as we enjoy a cup of coffee together before or after the service, as we come in here and worship together, as our kids go to bridge kids. All of these things are ways in which we can connect with one another and with God. And then we grow. We grow in our relationship with God through His Word. We do that not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week through personal Bible study. We can do with, with our own Bible app in our own quiet time or just reading the Bible through. And we also do it through our growth groups during the week that meet in various homes. We not only connect, but we grow in our relationship with God through those things. And then we serve we serve in the church using our spiritual gifts to serve and build up the body. We serve outside the walls of the church as well. And it's in the serving, I think, that, that real growth can kick in. Too few people step out in faith and experience all of that. But for those who do, we find that we grow best when we're challenged, whether we're being challenged by preparing a lesson to share with others, stretching beyond our comfort zones, answering the questions of the people that we're serving, or watching and learning from someone who's been doing it longer than we have. If you really want to grow in this coming year, connect and grow and serve as well. It's in the finding a place of service that you'll really grow. Connect, grow, and serve. I want to encourage you to do all three of those this year. I would encourage you to look for ways of incorporating all three of those things in every ministry that you serve in. 
And then be strong and courageous because as you put them into practice, as you more than hear God's word, as you do God's word, you can know that God will be with you every step of the way. You'll find some questions for further thought in your program. I hope you'll make use of those in this coming week. Uh, let's join together in prayer. Father, thank you for your word and your presence that go with us wherever we go and that we can count on that just as Joshua did, facing an uncertain future. We don't know what's ahead of us in this coming year, but we know we've got your word in our hand and it can be our reliable guide. And we know that we've got your presence in our lives because you've promised never to leave us or forsake us. And so, Father, I pray that, that with those two certainties that we would have confidence to step forward by faith into what you have laid out for us. And help us then, Lord, to, to step into that knowing that you're with us and that you're going to use us and glorify yourself through us. So we commit ourselves to you for not only this day, but for this coming year. And trust that you'll be with us wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen.